We the people believe these truths. God is the creator of everything. Yes, everything. Earth and sky. What is below and what is beyond. All that we see moving. And even those things we don't see. God created it all. And we believe that God created humans. All of us. And we are all created equal in the sight of God. We believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and was born of a virgin. We believe that He suffered under Pontius Pilate and was crucified, died, and was buried. We believe that was not the end. We believe He rose again, and when He did, He ascended to heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father. We believe that all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. And we believe that there is forgiveness for our sins through Jesus. We believe that he has called each of us to live a life worthy of his name, a life of sacrifice. What is this life? It's a life of love and truth and grace. A life that speaks by actions as much as words. A life that is marked by His life. And we believe that God is here with us now. Because we are His church. And this is our creed. Friends, I remind you that we're having Holy Communion at the end of the message today, so be sure you have your communion elements ready. Our scripture uh, comes, first of all, from John chapter 19, beginning with verse 16. Finally, Pilate handed him over to be crucified. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. Here they crucified him with two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had, notice, had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. And then Isaiah chapter 53, beginning with verse 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, hello, Christ Church and all of our friends joining us today. If you're on the website, we'd love to hear from you. Send us a prayer request or a praise report. If you're with us on Facebook, say hello to other friends in the chat and let us know you're here. And of course, you can follow along with my outline on the website or the Christ Church app. 
It is a great day to be in worship this 4th of July Sunday. We are celebrating our freedoms as Americans, our social, political, religious, economic, and personal freedoms that have been won and preserved at great cost through the years. And we're also celebrating our freedoms in Christ, our spiritual, emotional, physical, social, and eternal freedoms, won at great cost for us by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because of who Jesus is and what He has done, we are set free from the law of sin and death. Jesus, remember, told His disciples in John 8, 36, If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Today I'm continuing my series titled, I Believe, focused on the Apostles' Creed. Just as we remember and celebrate the story of how our nation won its freedom by first, remember, declaring our independence, our founding fathers drafted and then on July 4th, 1776, signed the Declaration of Independence. So it's important that we too remember and celebrate the core tenets of our Christian faith. How it is that Jesus Christ won freedom for us. After the resurrection of Jesus, remember the disciples went forth to declare the good news of God's saving grace for everyone. And how? Through faith in His Son Jesus. By the power of the Holy Spirit that came upon them, they spread the gospel far and wide. And over time, the church leaders recognized the value of helping new believers learn and, and remember the core doctrines of the faith. The Apostles' Creed is a summary statement of what the earliest apostles taught. With each phrase, we're reminded again of these core tenets of our common Christian faith. One thing that's striking about the Apostles' Creed, six of the twelve affirmations of the Creed focus on Jesus Christ. That is a remarkable testimony to the place that Jesus held in the earliest teaching of the apostles. There is no one quite like Jesus. They recognized that in Jesus Christ, something entirely unique had occurred in the human race. You could write unique in the chat. The whole of Jesus' life, ministry, work, and even his death pointed to this remarkable truth. In Jesus Christ, God himself miraculously stepped into our world and walked among us. Last week, we considered the circumstances of Jesus' miraculous birth as we considered the phrase, He was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. Because He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, Jesus, remember, is fully human and fully divine. Because He had no earthly father but was conceived by the Holy Spirit, He is also without sin and thus fully qualified to be our Savior. That's why the angel said to Joseph, Give him the name Jesus, because he will what? save His people from their sins. We celebrated that because of who Jesus is, there is a direct connection between the manger and the cross. 
Today, we want to talk more about that connection as we consider the circumstances and the significance of Jesus' death in the phrase, He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. At the heart of the Christian message is the centrality of Jesus' death on the cross. At a young age, we learned the simple faith statement, Jesus died for my sins, for my forgiveness on the cross. We see the cross. We're reminded of the significance of Jesus' death when we celebrate Holy Communion. But let's talk a bit further about the question, why did Jesus have to die? When we ask a question such as, why did Jesus have to die? We must be careful that we're not calling God into question. Before we can come to grips with anything God does, we have to first remember what God says to us in the words of Isaiah 55, 8. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. The Apostle Paul tells the believers in Corinth, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scripture, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day, according to the Scriptures. The earliest apostles understood that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. They understood that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection were all part of God's revealed plan. Why did Jesus have to die? Well, first of all, the punishment for sin is death. God created earth and man perfect. But when Adam and Eve disobeyed God's commands, there had to be consequences, punishment. You know, a judge who pardons lawbreakers isn't a righteous judge. Likewise, overlooking sin would make our holy God unjust. Death is God's just consequence for sin. Paul says in Romans 6, 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Our just punishment for sin is death. Remember this, even good works cannot make up for wrongs against our holy God. Compared to His goodness, Isaiah 64.6 says, All of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Ever since Adam's sin, every human has been guilty of disobeying God's righteous laws. Paul declares in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You can type all in the chat. Sin is not just big things like murder, adultery, sexual immorality, or blasphemy, but also include things like loving money, hating our enemies, stealing, lying, gossiping, jealousy, envy, pride. Because of our many sins, we all deserve death and separation from God. Why did Jesus have to die? Well, secondly, I would say our salvation required an innocent sacrifice. Although God banished Adam and Eve from the garden, He didn't leave them without hope of reconciliation. 
he promised he would send a Savior to defeat the serpent. Until then, his chosen people learned, remember, to sacrifice innocent lambs, showing their repentance from sin and, and faith in the future sacrifice from God who would bear their penalty. God reaffirmed his promise of the sacrifice with men such as Abraham and Moses. And here lies the beauty of God's perfect plan. God himself, in the end, provided the one sacrifice. Jesus, the anointed one, the Messiah, who would atone for the sin of his people. God's perfect son fulfilled God's perfect requirement of God's perfect law. It is a perfectly brilliant plan in its simplicity. Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him, and who is him? Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Why did Jesus have to die? The third thing I would say is the prophets foretold Jesus' death. From Adam to Jesus, God sent prophets into the world, warning of sin's punishment and foretelling the coming Messiah. One prophet, Isaiah, described this coming one in detail like no other. I read these words from Isaiah 53, beginning with verse 1. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up like a before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. And as I read, think about how these words relate to Jesus. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Continuing in verse 6, We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her, her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and to cause him to suffer and though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, 
and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After the suffering of his soul, get this, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great and he will divide the spoils with the strong because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. In this passage, like no other, we find Isaiah the prophet foretelling Jesus' life, his suffering, his death, and resurrection, all part of God's plan that we might be forgiven, that our transgressions, that our iniquities, that our sins, our shortcomings would be forgiven. Remember this, whatever the depth of our sin, our depravity, Jesus lived, died, and was raised so that we might be forgiven, set free, restored to new life, redeemed. There is no one who is too far gone for Jesus. Remember his story of the good shepherd who left the 99 to find the one lost sheep? Well, Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus also is the Lamb of God who has come to take away the sin of the world. That is good news for you, for me, for anyone, no matter how far from Christ we may be. Let's pray about that. Let's pray together. Oh, Heavenly Father, Almighty God, gracious, loving Lord, on this 4th of July Sunday, we have so much to celebrate. As Americans, may we never take our freedoms for granted or forget the tremendous price paid on our behalf that we might be and remain free. And oh, Lord, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, may we forever be grateful for the sacrifice, for the ultimate price that He paid on the cross, that we might be free spiritually and in every way. He is the one who suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried, that we might have forgiveness, new life, and all the blessing of the Holy Spirit at work within us now and forever. In Jesus' name we've prayed. And everyone said, Amen, Amen. Today, as an act of celebration and praise and remembrance, we are going to celebrate Holy Communion. Prepare your elements there at home, bread and juice, whatever you plan to use. But before that, I invite you to now share with me again the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. The third day He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, from thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Universal Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, 
the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Remember, before we come to the communion table, we examine our hearts and we acknowledge our sin and our need of forgiveness. On the night he gave himself up for us, we remember that Jesus gathered his disciples and he took bread. He took bread, he gave thanks, he, he broke the bread, he gave it to his disciples and he said to them, take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he, he took the cup, he, he gave thanks, he gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Jesus was pointing to the forgiveness that he was about to win for us on the cross. He would offer himself as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Because of his holy sacrifice, God extends forgiveness to us and calls us to forgive one another. And so, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. And share it with me if you know it. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and juice. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ and one with each other and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. You may now take your bread and partake. This is the body of Christ broken for you. And now take your juice. This is the blood of Christ poured out for you. Well, in gratitude, we have remembered and celebrated the great victory that Jesus Christ won on the cross for you and me. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Write, takes away in the chat. I hope your heart is filled with joy and gratitude again today because of everything God has done for you through His Son, Jesus Christ. I pray you're also grateful for the many blessings we enjoy as Americans and will join me in recommitting your life to Christ and to His mission in our land. 
If you have questions about the message, let me hear from you. If you'd like to visit more about having a new life in Jesus Christ, I'd love to visit with you about that too. You know, if you've joined us today and have prayer requests, praise reports, send them to us. We want to hear from you. Use the app, go to the website. Are you grateful for the ways that God has blessed you? You know, giving back is such a tangible way to thank God for His goodness, His generosity. You can use text to give, the app, you can go to the website, mail in contributions. You know, your generosity is a tremendous blessing in the life of our church, in the life of our ministry at this time. Thank you. Be sure to take advantage of our discipleship opportunities and find all the information you need on our website, cumctulsa.com. God bless you today, and God bless America. Remember, Jesus is the one who suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He paid the price for you and for me. For now, continue to give thanks and praise to God for all the freedoms you enjoy as an American and because of your life in Jesus Christ. Come celebrate with us at the free New Life Festival on July 15th through the 17th from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. at Guthrie Green in Tulsa. Come enjoy some great music, a message of hope, and receive prayer for you and your family. That's the New Life Festival. It's all about hope, prayer, and healing. Visit us online at newlifefestival.org to get all the info.